Hello. Hey. 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 Blizzard here in Toronto. Already, yeah. It's. I think we saw a few snowflakes today. Um, I yeah, don't mean snowflakes like sensitive types, but the the <laughs> little water droplets. Yeah. Uh, here, that's like yeah, thick wet snow is falling, and, and it's staying on the ground. That's the big test. So, you have central air in your apartment. I do. I have a heat pump. You do. And, and so it's both heat and AC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in one device. Yeah. And so the the air vents are kind of above your head yeah like there's a huge uh like exposed vent because it's like loft style yeah 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 so it 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 totally makes sense for the summer and the the cool air coming from above and then going down but in the winter it just means half your loft upstairs is warm and you're kind of cold downstairs yes yeah it's a constant conflict with Kristen and i because i'll be freezing and she'll be like it's too hot in here and yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have a the, fan the, that I turn The troubles on. of loft life, yeah. Yeah, we have a, like a fan and that pushes the air down. That's like how we... Do you have a fan on the ceiling? Yeah, we have a ceiling fan. Oh. That's it. We just, yeah. we just uh, bought a huge lamp for the ceiling, so we have some nice uh, object up there. Because uh, as our dedicated listeners might know, we just moved. So, uh, we bu- but... Yeah, we can't have both a fan and the lights. And we live in like, yeah, we live mirror-like lives. We both have two-story loft spaces. Yeah, yeah, because we're cool. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I remember this movie, someone, like a suburban dad and then getting a divorce and getting a loft. Fuck it, I don't need the suburban life. Well, everyone in my building is retired and over 60. So, like, definitely, like, <laughs> it's, not... it's been hard for me to leave here because... How do they I'm walk like... up the stairs every day up to their loft if they're over 60? We have elevators. But, you know what I think? Like, I think... No, no, I mean within, within the apartment. Oh. Like, when you're really 75, it kind of sucks to go up and down the stairs. Um, I think it's, like, um, it's apparently it's good for your, li- your knees and stuff like that. Yeah, that's to... true. But are there people who have an elevator up to their loft? One of those chairs along the stairway? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, there are some young people. I would say it's like 50-50 in this building. and But it's the empty nester kind of profile. Like, you know, they had kids and then they downsized. And I always look at that as like, okay, you figure something. You must have figured something out. Like, you don't want a big house with tons of maintenance. So, you event- yeah. like, the cliche is that people eventually buy, like, a condo in Miami, right? Or they, like, so they choose a warm place. And then they choose not to have proper, like a lot of land. Like they just choose like a. No, oh, yeah, apartment. there's different phases in, in life. But I, I, I do feel like a lot of our friends, they had kids and then left New York. And then at first they're excited because you're building a new home and you have new possibilities. And then after a while it's like, oh, I miss New York. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but uh, a lot of my friends, the ones that didn't have kids that moved away from New York, then came back two years later. And I remember visiting a friend in LA and he had a nice house with a backyard and everything and he's like oh I could never live in New York everything's so tiny yeah and two years later he was back so. I was talking to a friend who moved to LA and he bought a house with a pool and I was like mm, that would be like literally impossible um I was even talking to some friends this weekend who lived in Tokyo they're back here and they like Tokyo is way cheaper than Toronto and Manhattan like you, people could like home prices never really went through the roof, kind of um, for whatever yeah. reason. Um, but they're small. <laughs> but everyone yeah. like you yeah, can yeah. own a home. But but Tokyo is very sprawling. So I think yeah. it's different than Toronto and New York. And and there's a lot of. Um, I think you have to be somewhat wealthy, but not ridiculously rich. But a lot of people build their own home with yeah. an architect and so yeah there's a lot of different styles of buildings and a lot of people have custom quirky interesting things so it, it gives this a nice variety when you walk through tokyo yeah yeah she was saying like a lot of people build a home like outside the city but then there are these like high-speed trains that take you into the city yeah and yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 they, they um, know what they're doing yeah i don't know how we got on this topic but uh, long lo- long story short uh property is <laughs> difficult and downsizing does i don't know like i don't know i don't have very much desire to upsize i know you just upsized your apartment but yeah well for us we're both working at home so now christina has her 
closed off room upstairs and it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. That's been a lot better. So I can play music during the day and I'm not listening to resume calls. And it, it, the whole lockdown thing was so, it, it happened so sudden. So she was never home, like really, uh, she would come home at 9 p.m. or something. Yeah. And I would just be like kind of bored and like, you're not home enough. And then in one day she was just home 24 seven and, and the dog and everything. So it was a big shift. And it was a lot more fun, but it was also, I couldn't play music as much. And her, and the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was like, oh, I hope I'll have bread tomorrow. Like, that was the mindset. And then after mm -hmm. a few months, you're like, oh, this is what life is like now. And, uh, yeah. 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 I've got my toilet paper. I'm ready to go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is kind of a weird time right now with this new variant, Omicron. Um, I'm nervous again. I know you and I were supposed to like travel together. I don't know what's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, it's hard to plan stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm back in this like wait and see. And yeah. it was funny listening. I just to, I yeah. I can't comprehend it anymore. So just you, you go with whatever happens. Like, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know this promise that the I think we were promised that the vaccine would just solve everything. So then let's all go get the vaccine, and then it's not that simple. Well, I, mean, I probably should have given more vaccine to Africa. That would have helped. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know how we get to this, uh, like a segue. Um, we have a, we do have a listener question today. Yeah. And Jesper Norbeck. Yeah. Do you, do we want to read it out? Do you want to read it out? Yeah. Okay. Because it's not um, a recording. It's just a text. Yeah. So Jesper or Jesper asks, how do you keep track of your piles of files and compare the versions of a time-based work when it develops? With stills, I have no challenge since it's easy to open five different instances and compare them. But with a time-based work, it quickly gets complicated. So have you come up with any strategies for managing versions of time-based work? That's basically the question. Interesting, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and we it, both, uh, you know, we both have these uh, projects that are half-programmed, half-visual, in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, you, I think you and I alike, we have all these prototypes of yeah moving image things that uh you could i don't know if it's the same for you but it's basically a program and then there's all these variables that make the work f look and feel completely different like with a few changes of numbers you could have something that feels heavy or that feels light or that feels dark or that feels bright and yeah i mean so do you do you have like any kind of a system for organizing that of course you do? Okay, like... Yeah, I do. No, no, but... It, it, it's it, not like final, final, final one, final two? <laughs> no, but I, I do think that over the years of all the work, the domain names have been the anchor. So that way, it, that is the final, final folder in the sense that once you upload it, that's it. So you give it a title and then you, you have it. At least for me, it all starts That's where my sketches. problems begin, by the way, when I give it a title, because... Usually I give it a title like during a prototype phase, but that's not the final title. Yeah, and, I'm the same. I'm the same. And then when I get to the final title, that's what I remember when I'm doing a search later, but none of the files are named <laughs> with that, that title. Oh. And so I end up like, honestly, I, I'm very frustrated because most of my backups are on Dropbox. So if anyone actually, if you have a solution to this, Dropbox search is like literally the worst thing ever invented. I don't think it even is search. It just like... It looks for the word, but nothing else. Like it doesn't look at through the contents of your files. Okay. So yeah. I'm always very I think, frustrated. I think for me, it, like, when you think of my early works, like there's a, a jello and then there's a fart and then there's these dollars. There's a very definite stage of the work where you're like it's done. And maybe you need to update something to, for a change in a browser. But other than that, it aesthetically is completely done. I think what Jesper is referring to is more when you're the production files. making. Yeah. No, but it, it, I think with figurative work, there's a certain anchor of like that's the way it has to look. Now it feels right, mm -hmm. and then with abstract work, it feels like all the variations are interesting, and you just have. The, I don't know if that's what he's oh, getting. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know what I mean? But what I mean is, I, I look at your uh, avatar Skype image of you with all the geometric shapes around you, and. I'm sure that software has so many settings that feel different, but they're all, it's hard to name them because it's like droopy triangles, happy uh, cylinders, uh, or whatever. It, it, it's very easy to name something jellotime.com, and then you'll always remember that's where the work is because it's a jello. 
But I think like yeah. when I perform, for example, a video, which I don't do as often anymore, I, w- I do like 10 takes and then I select a take. And what I was reading into this was like, if you did five photos or you did 20 and then you had selects and maybe use like Lightroom to store your selects, um, that's relatively easy to maintain, but it's hard for time-based work to know what the, you know, which one was good and what parts of it are good. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And to catalog, you know, because, and you, you know, to catalog that. Well, I, or, yeah. I mean, I start out with stills, with sketches and then make storyboards and then I'll have a folder with illustrator files and, uh, each illustrator file also save a PNG because it's easier to go through quickly. So I sort of save a thumbnail that's uh, indicative of... Because of, the illustrator file will be a hundred color variations and composition variations on different artboards. So it's, yeah. it's hard to grasp in one thumbnail. So then I try to make a thumbnail that sort of fits like, okay, that's what it is. Okay. And then with file names, I'll because it's kind of abstract, I'll put like f- maybe five or six different words that are cues like open door sky color for search. So, yeah because i know the file names are just very useful for search and then the next step after all those still sketches is these prototypes with my programmer and then we'll have a working title like uh uh let's say di- dissecting shapes like there's these shapes that are dissecting each other or intersecting so I'll call it intersecting shapes or something like that. And each folder, I'll always have a PNG with the same name. So if I'm, let's say now I have a folder with 20 works that are half done, then I can filter that folder to only show images. And then I'll be like, okay, mm. that's that project. That's that. Yeah, it's really, kind it's of, interesting. Like, yeah. cause I did a time-based um, performance where I painted like socks in real time. Um, so I'd like, I did, it was like kind of like a, you know, like a meditative thing. And I was like painting, but I was painting onto sock designs. Then you could buy the socks. And and every time someone bought it, it kind of locked in the painting. But yeah. I did so yeah, many of yeah. these socks that recently I had a, like a version of the socks on my store, like in on my website. Someone bought them. And then I was like, oh, no, like I thought the files were all there because I had to go produce the socks, but they, they weren't. And so I went on this search. I swear to God, for two days... I was searching through thousands because there were literally like when I made those, it would like every five seconds, it would like capture a version of the painting <laughs> and then yeah. I would just match it up. And then in theory, I would import it into illustrators if, if I got it ready for production. But um, it, was cr- it was crazy how bad my file sorting system was. So I love hearing that you actually have a system because mine was like, my, like the way I, I regret it constantly, how poorly organized <laughs> yeah. I am to the point where like I, I legitimately lost two days and I emailed the person that bought the socks and I was like, look, I can't find these files. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is this is an unsolvable problem. I do think, yeah, I do think it's a, a, a common problem on the computer. People make a lot of tests and then lose track of where they are. But well, I ended to up me, like in was... emails, like trying to sort out like what was the communication, what time of year was it, what was the yeah, context, yeah, yeah. was I drinking coffee? I don't know. Like it's like what was I buying but, on but Amazon? But to me, <laughs> one of the core principles of of uh, archiving and of preservation is is the work interesting. I feel like if the work is interesting, you always be able to recreate it or find it or like. Well, I did find there, it. There's a lot of, but what I, I mean is, there's a lot of works that are like okay. They're not fantastic, and you might lose those. And is that a bad thing? Like, yeah, you know, like yeah, these socks weren't exactly on my like highlight reel. (laughs) No, (laughs) but so it kind of feels that, in a way, the fact that you lose files is also a sign that they weren't that important. Yeah, like memory, I guess. Like that—that's the other thing. Like uh, that, I end up doing is like I can find a file if I can remember what I was doing like outside of that, like everything about that time, I can usually figure out what the file name was or where it is, but it is a combination of like software. I feel like a little archeologist sometimes. I th- yeah. But I'm not as well but organized it, as you, it sounds like. No, but what, what's also interesting is this concept of uh, organizations growing. And I have a tendency, like I'd rather have less so I don't have to, uh, keep track of a lot of things. And this year, my, my administrative side grew a lot. So I'm spending a lot of time dealing with the LLC and then the S Corp and then the 
reconciliation and it's like a lot of mental space. So my, my natural instinct is like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't sell anymore because it's just more work of this admin stuff. Mm-hmm. But the general, I think, CEO type of person is like, I have the big ideas and other people could pick up the pieces and clean up the mess. <laughs> well, and and yeah. so you can't grow if you're obsessed with like, I want to be able to comprehend everything. Like the, the, what I mean is, like I could you spend know, all my time companies. organizing and never actually do anything. Yeah. And so I, I feel like a good leader of, of a big idea should be able to trust other people to clean up and that they can focus on uh, keeping the energy going well the bottom line is in most companies like in the at least in the business world like there are, you eventually hire operations specialists to handle all this like so design ops research ops product ops <coughs> and this like ops title devops these are the people that like so while everyone's making shit the the ops people are like Oh, how are we going to organize this? Like, what are the processes? Like, how do we yeah, organize yeah. it? But, but what um, I mean it's is, it's a real that role. In, in, in a, for, the, for artists, a lot of them can't afford to hire seven people yeah. to clean up after. You can't have your own ops specialist. So, so you get this problem where you are afraid of growth because then the, the taking care energy becomes too big. And uh, I don't well, know do if that's know my, part like, of the question. No, it is. I mean, in the past, that meant like, hard drive backups that's which i think we've talked about a lot on the podcast but oh, in, like, the, in the past failures. in the past past it was like painters that uh oh, sure. get <laughs> depressed because their storage is full and it's like yeah. oh I don't, how do i do so the the ideal is you make work and it's gone and your studio is empty and you have mental space to make the next thing oh that was the maybe that's one of the reasons why selling you know would have been common but in the digital era you produce faster than you could ever yeah you know, d- destroy and then nothing is destroyed um, no, my solution it does to this feel, is the cloud. It, it does but. feel with, with, with NFT, it does feel like the backup organization thing is communal. So you don't, you can't lose it anymore. Like IPFS, it's stored yeah. forever. And mm-hmm. Sorry? IPFS, like that kind of thing. Or also yeah, even or the on blockchain the chain. itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, where did I leave the work? Well, it's on Ethereum and it'll be there forever. Or on Tezos. <laughs> I love your yeah. confidence in Ethereum being here forever. Oh, yeah, there's so much money in it that people will preserve it, yeah. I mean, but on what time scale? Like, 500 years from now, I'm pretty sure it won't be around. I, I don't believe at all that digital things disappear. Like, I think well, a lot of obscure music... Like, no, it's not true. Like, I think a lot of obscure music and obscure movies surface because there's a fan base, and they're like, oh, let's make an emulator for this weird game console... And let's make some. When I did the screensaver exhibition, there were all these fans that had backups of screensavers for different systems. Mm. And it's this communal, collaborative uh, archiving system that I've never had a problem with anything disappearing. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I, it's it's really wild to me the way people see it because physical stuff burns and and disappears, and the digital stuff. Think of all the obscure songs you can find on Soulseek. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I get, I get what you're saying, but I think like, like I, there's tons of obscure files that I've created to the, to Jesper's point, like that, like, you know, thousands of, you know, some things that are. Yeah. But if you had made NFTs of them, somebody else would have kept them at some point. Mm-hmm. I think only if you're recognized, it's recognized as an important yeah, work. But, the, but in a way that's the ecosystem deciding what's worth saving, that that's what selling is then. Sure. I mean, institutionally, that also happens, and that that can be a problem, right? Because you have selective history. There's a bias. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, but um, there are also cultures that actually uh, celebrate the idea that things disappear. Well, I was talking to a friend yesterday, an artist, um, and they were talking about create, like you know, we were talking. They were talking about like libraries. You know, like there are, there's this library called Mixamo that's like a gesture library. And then, you know, there are like these CG trader, you know, kind of libraries of 3D objects you can buy. They're kind of these, there are all these different libraries we source material from. Yeah, um, yeah. The, but the building blocks of the metaverse. Yeah, but the building blocks of the metaverse are like very uniform. Like there's like a lot of death animations <laughs> like on Mixamo. It's like different people shooting or dying or yeah. if you go on like... Well, that's the same with the music charts. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm hearing a lot of bass drops on the on the music charts. Yeah, yeah. so like kind of, um, in, at least in the most organized systems that are tagged and, you know, ready for sale, like the, the Walmarts of the digital universe, you know, even in your NFT world, 
um, the, there are, it's like whoever purchases the thing that determines whether it's going to be archived or not, right? Like, does it have, um, is it something that's likely to be bought and sold? Yeah, sure. Like you're going to find well, like well, lots think of... Think about it. Like, think about it. Like before there was anything of recording, of writing or any idea, people would just transfer ideas by memorizing them and singing them. Mm-hmm. And then you can you can be like, oh, there must have been a, a lot of interesting songs that nobody cared about that we forgot. But that's yeah. human memory. It's just like certain things are remembered and certain things aren't. Like we didn't forget about the wheel, how it works. Mm-hmm. People are like, well, this is pretty useful. Mm. I want to know how to make fire. But maybe there were other ideas like... Um, I mean, I've, Well, we can't... I always, literally, we can't think of those ideas because... To your point. No, no, exactly. But there are traditions that are are minimized at some point and almost forgotten. I I saw these videos of different tribes around the world making music by slapping water with their hands and playing the drums Mm. on on the surface of a river or in a lake. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, that's such a a beautiful, fundamental human movement and uh, and no technology. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, nobody knows about that compared to Britney Spears, but... Like, is is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or is that just the way th- human memory Well, related works? to the question, I think, yes, we're saying, like, you might change your mind about what is valuable in your own practice, and you might want to refer back yeah. to an earlier version. And, and, you know, in software design, the concept of version control or, you know, like something having many states that are tracked over time, that a thing, a, a, like any file is not fixed, it has, you know... Yeah. And that and, you can go backward and, and, and forward in time on it. That yeah. Honestly, to be more yeah. practical, I think to be more practical, I would recommend just really to answer his question in the most practical sense. Any folder you have, when you have a version you like, save that version with the date and save an image of it. That that's the only recommendation I have. Mm, interesting, uh, but version control does exist for certain domains, and like just like to speculate beyond the existing like GitHub. You mean? Yeah, but like if you if you're a designer these days, you're probably using Figma, uh, or maybe you're using Sketch still, and uh, and a combination of Sketch and a, and a program called Abstract. But what both of those enable, um, well, Figma it doesn't really fully enable this unless you're on a certain version, but is like version control. So, you know, as soon as you're working with a team, ver- like the system you just described is like broken. Um, like I, yeah. like I remember. But the version control could have a snapshot system that would create a visual history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it does for sure. Like or usually it's date and time and who edited it or whatever, yeah, but, but like yeah. Yeah. But I it, like when you have an editing software, the timeline has a thumbnail in it. So there's always visual cues. Yeah, I just think over time um all software will eventually incorporate some of what we're describing as very difficult and I think it's been under invested in as part of like the creative process which is like I, well, that, yeah. yeah there's also the argument that the mobile devices don't really show the file system it's all obscured or abstracted well this is the uh, thing though like it wasn't until yeah. the cloud that version control like there was version control before the cloud don't get me wrong like in the in manual form and there was some automated form but yeah, really cloud but it wasn't mainstream cloud software yeah. automated version control and made it yeah ubiquitous and but that yeah. hasn't really you know, besides Apple's time machine, do you remember that weird kind of? I still use it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Like that's a kind of a version control for your file system, not for the, you know, for the files themselves, but kind of not. For the whole computer. Yeah. Yeah, But like, for example, um, in Photoshop and Illustrator, the idea of effects being non-destructive, right? Like that, that's a kind of version control as well, which is like, if I apply this filter, can I come back from it? I remember in the nineties, like working with Photoshop and I was like, Hmm, do I really want to add this bevel? I better do a save as, yeah. right? But now I can just turn the bevel effect on or off. Like that was a huge but, breakthrough in yeah. creative like testing versus having but, multiple versions. Yeah. But for me, like art making is more uh, of the individual. And I, for me, the versioning system is at some point it feels right. And then it's ready for release. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe, I always believed in the domain names and now NFTs as an anchor to say the work is done. Because when I started in the 90s, every creative person was doing something online and everybody had a, a portfolio website and then they had a, on that portfolio website, they had a section called experiments. Yeah. 
And it, th there would be architects or fashion designers or musicians, like every discipline, they were all experimenting with the web. It was very common. There was no money to be made, but everybody had, oh, I made this sound toy. Oh, I made this experimental navigation. And so everybody had this folder. And it was very clear to me, if there's no value of any kind, then these things will disappear. That was crystal clear to me because the experiments folder all the projects would be called 14B, 7-C, <laughs> like all these Aphex Twin song titles, basically. Mm -hmm. And then what happened is they gave up. They, they stopped doing it. It wasn't a priority. And so to me, it really felt like, oh, if I put this in a domain name, whether it sells or not, I am dedicating 10 bucks a year to it. Yeah. So I really believe that the work should exist. Right. And... That to me, and, and that's what NFT is now. Like, I don't know how much it costs to mint something on Tezos, but I think it's not that bad. And then, it's like you know, Hicket Nunk is down, but, but the works are still there, and mm -hmm. somebody's making a backup of the whole thing. Like, there are multiple mirrors. So I, yeah, so I really believe in the short term, you could even use social media as a, as a versioning system. Like, oh, I made a sketch, I'll put it on Instagram. That way there's a timestamp and then I'll be like, oh, I made that work three years ago. Let's go through my timeline. Oh, no, I do just... agree that that's that's kind of what yeah. I end up doing is like trying to chart it almost like a timeline. But I think in software, this became such a big problem, you know, for software releases that not only do they have to have version control, they also have to have release notes. They have to have like, you know, pull and push requests. So peers are reviewing like what's being updated. Is this going to break something else? And I think... Um, like on the spectrum of like a folder that you take snapshots with <laughs> to like, it's really always a factor of how many people you work with and maybe how many versions of yourself you work with over time, like future self versus current self. But it, this, the complexity scales with team size. Like, so I think it, all of these techniques are fine for the artist, but as soon as you're working as a team um, over longer periods of time, they're not But don't you think s still for a team... There's the details of like, oh, which uh, CSS file, whatever. But there are the bigger gestures of like, are we going to add this feature? Are we going to add well, collaborative? Yeah, like, in, in, like, in like design those big teams, decisions. We come yeah. up like that's this back to the ops thing, though. But like, for example, design systems, which you've probably heard of or maybe our listeners have. It's like, you know, started as teams being like, well, there are 25 versions of a button here, like can we just agree that there's like one perfect button design, <laughs> you know, like, or two or something like that. Well, and that's then, the, the ideal is, is the Steve Jobs coming in. There's a big mess and he makes a quadrant and he's like pro consumer portable and uh, desktop. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. from there, like that's the big, to me, that's the versioning system. That's what I mean. Like mm -hmm. the big decision, everything else falls into place then. But I don't think anyone lost the file of like, what does a portable notebook no, look like? But but, yeah. but the way design teams work now is off of library systems. So you have in Figma, you would have your component library and, yeah. you know, there's a button that you like drop in. And if you, you're never going to design a button ever again. Like everyone has decided this is the perfect button. And if they have a problem. <laughs> it makes me think of, you remember Mulholland Drive? Where <laughs> he has to do the casting and they're like, this is the girl. Yeah, this is the button. But, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but no, no, this is yeah, the button. this is it. This is it. But act. But if you have a problem with it, literally, and I, I kid you not, like I run a, a biweekly governance meeting, <laughs> where you can bring forward like, I think the button is too small. It should be bigger, right? And then the people debate hall. that. Yeah, it's a town hall. Should we update this to the new version? Should it become so? And yeah. by the but like pro button that sounds absurd, right? Except then you think about oh, what's happening on the internet with crypto and stuff? What is a DAO, like a decentralized autonomous organization? It's actually a form of version control for social order, right? Like even yeah. the way like so. This is what I'm saying. As soon as you have like groups well, that was of people, my first instinct with DAOs. It's like oh, that's everything I never wanted. <laughs> But it's a file system for people. That's all I'm saying. Like I know, but it's also just lots of uh, letters and meetings and decisions. And it's like, oh, that, that's why I became an artist. Yeah, but yes, Jesper asked a really interesting question, which is like, what happened? That's like photos and stills, things that are easily cataloged are fine. But how do you, when it becomes time-based, and I do think as sociology yeah. or communities working together as time-based media, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you organize it? And that's one of the no, ways. No, so, so, so my... my my answer to summarize is 
in the practical sense, you make snapshots in the forms of screenshots or something that you can go through quickly and give it the same name as the folder of the code. Mm -hmm. And the bigger picture is there's a moment of revealing the work and whether that's uh, on Tezos or Ethereum or domain name or something like that or an exhibition, that's an anchor. That's like, okay, that's where the work yeah. is. Now the title is final. And I, I think... There's kind of deciding, an interesting point there too. Yeah, It's a vulnerable point because I, I think... I don't know if you remember from art school, there's, there's, uh, there's the, the idea stage before you even touch the piece of paper. Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I have this vision for a painting of a tree and the tree has all the colors in the rainbow and it's going to be amazing. And then you start drawing it and it's not as cool as it was in your head. Mm -hmm. So there's stage zero. That's like just the energy and the anticipation. And then there's the stage of sketching, which is a bit more vulnerable because it's not as beautiful as it was in your head. But then you're still not as vulnerable because you're like, well, you know, it's a work in progress and I have 10 versions and let's talk about it. And then there's the reveal where you're really vulnerable, where you're like, well, this is the tree I made. And people are like, that's fucking lame. Yeah. What the fuck is that? But there, yeah. yeah, there's a, but the thing, the point I was making about governance is I think exists in that solo practice. Like the point I might make is that at some point you evolve a set of principles or values for what you deem to be. A, you know something that's worthy to your point earlier about like you eventually crystallize it as a domain but implicitly you're like this qualifies and you use some you know in in teams people usually have to come up with literal values or principles like it to make decisions because they can't make decisions as a group without that form you know of kind of like you know um decision making gates like that kind of governance but you do that personally probably too right i don't know what, what you what system you use but like you like I don't know. That's a question for you. Do you use a system like by which you determine something to be worthy of um, a version well, the, or catalog? It, um, the the main thing for me with uh, domain names and internet work was also this. It's it's a it's a broader. What you put in an exhibition is narrower, but what I put on the internet as domain pieces is broader. So I'm like I'm not sure if this is a good work, but I'm just going to put it up. Mm. And that changed a little bit with NFT, like the, the, it's a little more of an open, it, it's a bit more judgmental because there's the sales aspect immediately. And with domain names, there was no mm -hmm. public sales, public facing sales side. So, but overall, I always wanted to have the ethos of like, just upload it. You're not sure about it, but it's okay. Who cares? Like, well, you could change, just you make, could even edit it if you wanted, but not with a, with no, but I, I didn't. No, but I didn't. I never edited the websites in the sense that I changed anything. But uh, I did delete some domain names, like maybe five years later, and I, it was a work nobody ever got back to me about. And I'm like, I'll still have it on my hard drive, but I, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like continuing it. So maybe I deleted ten, fifteen pieces over the years or something. But overall, I really believe in uh, producing things you're not so sure of. Like, let's say you do a new performance and it's like a comedian trying a joke and you're like, oh, let's mm -hmm. see if this yeah, sticks. Yeah, does it work? No, I know. But I think like at some point you determine you have principles and whether you announce them or not, they're probably in there somewhere in your head, maybe not using language for like, yep, I think this one's working. And maybe the principle is like people responded to it. Like it it got, it had had three exhibitions and then it like it enters into this new realm. Yeah, or... <laughs> Or I like looking at it, or yeah. uh, it, 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 or I keep seeing new things in it, or th there are all kinds of art, but it is very nonverbal. It's very intuitive, and yeah. And I, I've had a lot of ideas where I've had different versions of a work, and it never felt finished. And then five years later, I opened up that folder and changed some colors, and like, oh, this is now it works. Mm -hmm. That, that question of does it work, it's a funny question because it's not fulfilling any practical role, but there's still a, a feeling of like, does it work? Yeah, I think like what I'm realizing is like intuitive modes like that work solo. But if you're working together, like you and I working on Good Point or something, we can use a certain amount of intuition. But if we added a third person, I think it would all be broken. Yeah. And, and that's, it feels like uh, musical groups, like bands, uh, like four or five people. Mm -hmm. It works for a while, but it's hard to keep going in more than 10 years. Like eventually you end up writing your like 
rule book. Like, here's our manifesto. Like, if you're a group of artists, that's what they do, right? Mm. They wrote manifestos. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the manifestos yeah. dictate, here's how we're going to make decisions about what's important and what's not. How close is it to the manifesto, right? Like, here, here. Yeah. Here, here. John Cage yeah. said... <laughs> in 1965 and then yeah, yeah and then they changed their mind because they're all just organic and intuitive and like but wait a minute you said this <laughs> yeah but for a lot of artists they do have a manifesto or they're asked to write some artist statement at some point in their career and then that becomes kind of the litmus for some people i'm not saying for everyone of like is it in or out does it match the statement yes or no um yeah so whether or not it's I, intuitive I, as, as much as I say, like, release everything, it's also really nice to have a folder of uh, half-finished projects. And then with, when an exhibition happens or another type of project, you can go through it and say, does which of these fits best? So you're not, you don't have this full anxiety of starting mm-hmm. with an outside question. You're but, like, oh, I think this would work. I mean, another angle on this, though, is, like, there are definitely shows I've had where... I. It, I didn't like the show and I never liked it again. It, in fact, I liked it less and less every year to the point where I, I actually just like, you know, let go. I don't want that to be archived. You know, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. want to remember this. Uh, bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. And I think probably we all have a little bit of that too. Um, and, and there's that, that thing when you're too focused on your own archive and saving stuff that you have less resources to think about new stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. But again, like that comes down to um, like maybe for me, anyway, the best system is the cloud. Like when that as a technology and a, a way of thinking about things, the idea that I would throw something into a folder and someone else would take care of the backup, the searching, the indexing. Um, I still think um, that was a huge breakthrough in human like storage file system storage. Uh, search is obviously like the second one, and and I just complained like when search is and bad. Do you ever, do you ever think, like oh I should switch everything to Google Drive because the search is better? Yeah, now that you mention it, I'm thinking that right now as you're saying like Google's probably way better. Like why? But how much would the search help if the the video files with just the title and the title's not very descriptive. Well, the reason I started using Dropbox as an example in the first place was just that it was integrated within the OS when, and I remember Google drive wasn't well integrated. Like, um, but on my computer, as I know right now it's it's kind of integrated, but it's still not as good. Oh really? Well, like Dropbox though, isn't even updated for Apple Silicon. So apparently like it's a huge tax on like my new Mac or whatever, but like all of these stupid little technology considerations, factor in and meanwhile like i've got apple who just like imposes their iCloud on me right and am i upset about that no do i understand what's going on not really (laughs) (laughs) that's a good (laughs) t-shirt am i upset about that like (laughs) no but all i'm saying is like i i can't rely on it because i don't understand it really fully like there's nowhere i can go if i'm like I'm in Norway and I'm like, oh shit, I don't have my computer with me. I think it's in the hard drive. Like with Dropbox, I can just like spin up a tab and like, oh, there's the file. I have it, right? Um, And at least files have a date. So you could sort of be like, well, there's a thousand files from 2012. If I'm looking for a certain mm -hmm. file, I'll probably find it. Yeah. Yeah. So I use a combination, like if we're getting back to practicalities here, of like Gmail is actually a file storage backup system for me. Yeah, it is. I, I'm yeah. not Inbox Zero. I don't understand Inbox Zero. I'm like, what? That is the stupidest thing. Like, you're literally deleting your index every day. No, no, you don't delete them. You archive them. Oh, archive I don't them. understand that either. Like, what's the difference? It's just one folder or another. Um, I guess it's like it's like an inbox tray or something. Like in the paper days, it'd be like your desk and the drawer. Um, yeah, well, at least you know, like, oh, I answered the emails. I mean, I know it's important to people because at FreshBooks, we tried to remove this concept of archiving on just fucking invoices. And literally there was a riot and it, and it was my fault. I was like, what is archive? I don't use that. <laughs> um, so I, I get yeah, it. You don't want to have a, 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 an accounting software that's a bit too free spirited. Well, I was like, what? I mean, isn't that what search is? Like the literal conversation we're having now I had with my, my team and I, I convinced them. This is how it, why I realized I'm like a bad, you don't want, like, my opinions are not important <laughs> because, like, they're different from others, right? Like, or at least there's a, there's at least two points of view on this. So I had to 
opinionated design is often like very obtuse. I mean, we've all had that experience, right? Where it's like, who came up with this? And it's like, they, they tried to design something for their worldview. Um, anyway, where were we? Archive. Yeah, sure. Well, we were going to also, <laughs> I think I we've, we've uh, finished this uh, oh, question, yeah, but yeah. we were also going to talk about Black Friday, Black Monday, whatever it's called. Black Friday, Cyber, Cyber Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it, you being the chi- the cheapskate you are, what the, what did the powers that be persuade you to buy that you didn't uh, need? No, I haven't bought anything, and like I okay. keep putting something in my cart and then being like, "Do I need this?" No, I don't need it. You know, like I'm very happy with this laptop, and it's very, it was very expensive. <laughs> and but yeah. every time there's like a Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing, just for me, like I don't know what your impulse is, but I'll look at the sale and I'll be like. Yeah, it's thirty percent off, but like you know, it's a hundred percent off. Not buying this. <laughs> and yeah, I always, I always, this phrase always comes up in my head. Keep the money in your pocket. Just... <laughs> it's very hard though, because like everyone's yelling yeah. at you, like take advantage. These deals won't last long, right? Like there's a, there's a no. lot of psychological noise. No, but not only that, like a, a friend of mine visited yesterday. We had dinner and. Uh, we were talking about soundbars, and I never pulled the trigger on getting a soundbar. But our TV is very dim. Mm. The sound level is really bad. You gotta have a soundbar. Then, I have one. I have a Sonos yeah. Beam. But I didn't I didn't get the soundbar because I have these huge speakers for my stereo. But then they're set up in the room to be filling the room, but the TV is actually on the other side. And then anyway, they're music speakers. They're not set up for movies. So now I finally I. I bought a soundbar yesterday on Amazon. My friend recommended one. Which one? Okay. Sonos? No, it's Sony. But I didn't want any smarts in it. But um, anyway, I, I bought the thing, but it wasn't a cyber deal, even though it was this weekend. Because all the cyber deals were not what I was looking for. So it was 200 bucks, And then I could have gotten one that was 79 bucks, but probably worse. Mm. And, yeah. I, I mean... I've never... How do you time your stuff to wait until... The, I, I don't know. Okay, yeah, this is my policy. Like, the, here, but like it, you already like know Like, you need it. a new MacBook and you're going to wait two months because there's yeah. going to be... I feel like I've waited deal. five years for this to give you this advice because you're always like, just buy the thing whenever you want the thing, <laughs> right? And, yeah. And you hear people like Dave, you know, 2D on YouTube saying like, just buy the tool when you need the tool. But yeah. I will say I'm a master of like timing the purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not the same with with vacations. People are like, oh, you book in that time and save the miles and then use it on the third yeah. April of the century and whatever. Okay, well, here's my policy, and it's based on like how I was raised. <laughs> but in my family, my parents, the policy they had, and this is extremely bougie, so but was like you always want to buy the best and time your purchase to buy the best possible thing the best one in every class. So like, I love wire cutter as a website. And yeah, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the one best thing? And then no, I'll I know, time but I looked at soundbars and it was like 3000 bucks was the best soundbar. I was like, I don't think so. Well, then there's like different categories of best thing. <laughs> but uh, what I'm always trying to do is like, it's way cheaper for me to have one great thing than it is for me to have like five wasted, like things that are kind of half broken, like furniture no, but is the, the like, best example. With the laptop, you, yeah, but yeah. with the laptop, you bought the best thing. But furniture is a good example. If you want the best couch, like the most fashionable couch, you're talking about millions. There's no way you're going to spend that on the couch. Well, but like there are couches that are several. Millions. I will you literally can get some kind of yeah classic design thing from an auction house. And, and, well, yeah, yeah, that's what. I'll, so what I'll do is I'll like I'll decide. Okay, what is the quintessential desk or chair or you know yard furniture, and then I'll follow that item for a long, long time. And sometimes, like I just bought this office chair. I'll find like a used version of it or something. The used version is still superior to a brand new IKEA thing, right? Like a used Herman Miller is going to be ten times better than a yeah, brand new IKEA. I just chair. bought a new Herman Miller, the the Seitu chair. Yeah, I have I the Seitu as well. I think I paid seven hundred for it or something, but I've used it every day for ten years. So that's, you know, yeah. ten years. That's seventy bucks a year for. But let's like know. take an example it, in the furniture world. Like I know this is because <laughs> this is such a snobby thing, but design within reach, which my. My mom always jokes is like design out of reach. You know the the design yeah. store, right? Yeah. Like pretty much every piece of furniture in there is like, and this actually goes back on our file versions thing, but is like an indexical work. Like the best chair, like these are the, the best classic. five chairs ever invented. Yeah, <laughs> we know. just bought the Eames reading chair because we had looked at at fancy reading chairs for 
10 years, really. We never had space for it. Now we have space for it. And it's expensive, but we got it with a nicer fabric. We're going to have to wait six months for it, whatever. But I was like... You could resell we it. Tried every other research, we tried every other reading chair. There's no chair that's as comfortable. Yeah. So I do that plus like a little bit of a historic value or whatever. And also yeah. then your resale is going to be better. Like The problem with this method, though, is that uh, we, we had to buy a bunch of new furniture for this apartment. I'm a little worried that it'll look like a showroom. <laughs> like everything's a bit new, all the colors are nice together, and it's like, oh, yeah. But if yeah. you do, it, it's kind of like it's like someone who got tattoos, covered in tattoos in one year. I can just remember being year. in my 20s though, and being like, I would buy a bunch of IKEA stuff. It would all break. It would look shabby. Like right now, yeah, there's but one you thing. Yeah, also moved a lot, so I. I, yeah. I bought shitty furniture all the time because I was like, oh, I'm going to spend two years in Berlin and then I'm going to spend two years. But I did the same thing with clothes and like my clothes would be like, you know, tattered or, you know, within like a month. So I just think at some point you commit to quality as like your principal and then you look for the sale when it comes up. And I, and you, we all know someone that's really good at this for each category of thing. And there's a there's a difference there. Like, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's always true. Like, a Chanel bag's probably no better than like a Gucci bag or a you know Nordstrom's bag or something like that. But, um, God, this is yeah. like this is such a consumerist. I just <laughs> such, I, like I, I feel no, bad I, about this segment. <laughs> I I don't feel bad about it at all. But like, uh, I do think there's this obsession with quality that can also hinder you in just enjoying life like you can really get obsessive and uh uh, and and uh, let's say you have some friends visiting with kids or a dog and they jump on your 10 million dollar couch and then you're super sad yeah i know you're right and you know i was a bit obsessed with suits and uh, with the lockdown i stopped wearing them i mean for a couch you really should have a leather couch though because then you don't have to worry about the pet thing oh i don't (laughs) like leather couches but Makes me feel like I'm wearing leather leather pants or something. <laughs> but but the the clothing thing is another example where you you could buy super nice clothing and then you're nervous about sitting in a grass field or like rolling around in the grass and uh, so it's it's kind of you give up a freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, like my bo- the bottom line is like whenever I I have an impulse to buy something on Black Friday Cyber Monday I'm like unless it's something that I'd already been tracking that I needed then I'm not interested. Like in this idea that there's like a one time, like I have to have already prepared for it. Like, so, you know, I I do love buying clothing on sale because it's, it's never that urgent and you just look at a sweater that's a bit too expensive and then you wait and it's, that's true. Yeah. 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 But then again, yeah. I mean, this is all just whatever's possible in your budget. But regardless, like the other interesting thing about this time of year is this is an American invention you know, in, in uh, like that comes down to some Thanksgiving Good holiday. Good old American persuasion. Yeah, but like the the scenes of like people trampling each other at Walmart are like the way most of our listeners probably think of this this time of you know or period like American consumerist hysteria gone awry. And at, then, its, at its height. Yeah. And then Cyber Monday doesn't even make any sense anymore because originally it was like you know after Thanksgiving people go back to the office and while they're at work they start buying things online like it like it's such a bizarre <laughs> well, history there was, behaviorally there was also that thing after christmas people go to the mall to return the stuff they don't want and then there are deals for new stuff boxing day that's what we call it in canada but i don't think they have bo- you don't call it boxing day in the us no and when i was growing up my parents were like boxing day is the day where we if you're bad on christmas we box up all your gifts and we take them back to the <laughs> santa takes them there's back there's also I I, uh, I used to be with the gym and they're always trying to push you on personal training sessions and all that stuff. And they told me they would sell so much of personal training around New Year's because people have New Year's resolutions. And then they just sell them and people never cash, never come to the sessions. People just buy 5,000 bucks worth of personal training sessions and just don't show up. They're like, this year, I'm really going to get my abs right. You know what I think the equivalent for our listeners, though, is like, here's my guess is that it's like software subscriptions. <laughs> like, mm. like I, I often will sign up for like a software subscription. Like, yeah, like this new Arnold renderer, I'm definitely going to use it every day. It's worth 40 bucks a month. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Two, two weeks later, I've forgotten about it or like something came up and now I'm like paying for that software and I forgot the trials running out or something like that. Um, yeah, 
Good I, intentions. I am like constantly now grooming subscriptions and that's like, that's where I'm managing all my costs. I feel like, I feel like I've moved beyond like, yes, the furniture thing. <laughs> it's like furniture and subscription software. I'm really excited December 8th because like this like materials library that I use is going to be so on which, sale. <laughs> which, which software library subscription things are, do you have that you're not sure you can, you still need them? Like besides the TV stuff, right? Like whether it's Disney plus or whatever, I have like a video game subscription now, like to Xbox cloud, um, which lets you like, which I never use. Like I never have time to play games, but I'm like, one day I'll want to play the game. <laughs> yeah. It'll be there. And then I have like renderer subscriptions. Like I have a subscription to Redshift, um, which is a renderer for Cinema 4D. And I previously had a subscription to Arnold. And then like I have a subscription to ZBrush. Do you know that? It's like, it's yeah. like software for like sculpting. I just canceled it because I'm like, I haven't used ZBrush in two months, but I didn't even know I was paying. I thought I had already canceled it. And then I have a subscription. I think your to... new job is, is more work than you thought it would be. Yeah. And then I have... Creative Cloud subscriptions through work, thankfully, like that solves a lot of problems. But previously yeah. I had like stock photo subscriptions, like, you know, sometimes you need a texture. I, I keep wanting to f flip to the other side and not have Adobe anymore, but I don't think it's possible. Well, then finally, like, but like I have subscriptions to libraries too. So I have subscriptions to a texture library called Grayscale Gorilla and like HDRI library. Like Maybe so you should do an exhibition where you make paintings of all your subscriptions and then that will pay for the subscriptions. Well, here's where all of my major costs are. Maybe this is closer to your reality too. All of these domains and web hosting. And then on top of that, I now add like Shopify stores. So then, but then it's not just the Shopify subscription. It's also like all these plugins that I have to pay subscriptions on on top of the Shopify thing, like the digital so do, download. Do you plugin. have any idea how much your total no. burn rate is or whatever? I think it's ridiculous. I think it's out of control. I think I'm losing more and more money the more work I do. <laughs> it's like counterproductive. Well, to me, the, the NFT thing just flipped everything because the, with the domain names, a lot of the domains I was still hosting because the collectors couldn't understand it. Yeah. And so I have a programmer who's more on the sysadmin side, and then I have a programmer who makes the visual work. And then there's upkeep and restoring and the domain names and the security. And like sometimes there's like a DDoS hack, and then you have to block some things, and then you have to install Cloudflare. So it was a whole bunch of stuff for a side of my practice that was not so profitable, which I was okay with. But you're still talking about, I don't know, 20000 a year or something? Yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden NFT shows up and it's like, well, all the archiving and backup and security, you don't have to worry about it. And it makes more money. So it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just counting my domains oh. up here. I think I have 50 domains. So like, and I eventually like, they're all on one host. Yeah, I still package. have 100 or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm slowly, so Lima, this uh, foundation in the Netherlands is, offers this art hosting. So I'm, one by one, I'm just approaching the collectors and then we migrate the work there. And uh, uh, so that's been good. And, and hopefully in a few years, all, all the works will be out of my hands and it'll be better. I, even, it, I even have misspelled domains in here that I accidentally <laughs> bought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, we'll see in the long run uh, how it works. But it, for example, the, the other thing of like, Sometimes you make money by spending. Like I, my programmer Rainier, we just always wrote down the hours, and then I would just pay him for the time he used. But then, I would kind of be like, "Is this idea worth coding or not? I don't know." And now that my uh, income is higher, I just hired him almost full time. And then it's like, "Well, what should I do this week?" So then now ideas, I'm not so sure of. I'm like, "Yeah, just make a few versions of it. Let's talk about it." And it makes me more focused. So having that obligation to uh, have enough to do. Yeah. So in, in a way, we'll see, you know, I can't promise I can do this forever or have the sales forever, but so far it's a big engine. Ugh, at the end yeah. of the day though, like I just feel like my parents are, like have accumulated so much stuff and I recently asked them like, hey, like do you have a will or anything? They don't have a will. Like I was talking to a friend, their father died and they spent like five years just sorting through all of the accumulated junk that they had purchased but now we're doing that for our digital lives this really comes back to the original <laughs> question like 
I feel like such a burden of like, like how can I just like lift myself out from under this like pile of crap? Um, I don't know. I'm, t- but I'm tired is, is of But is it really or is it just in your head? Well, now that we're talking about it, like it's making me, st- I feel like probably we're stressing our listeners out. This like is the most stressful <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no, but for sure this year, my number of administrative tasks and keeping up with stuff and taxes have become vastly more complicated and it's harder to think of new work when you have worries. Yeah, this is the opposite of like hanging out on the beach and surfing or whatever. Like this is, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, there's something in that culture of like, you know, I just have my surfboard. I go to the beach once a day. I ride the wave. Like the surfboard breaks. I buy a new surfboard. I only have one or the skateboard yeah. or whatever it is. Like I, I feel like when I was a teenager, I had I had like 80 bucks a month. <laughs> it's like what I, obviously yeah, a lot but of you also had your parents my parents took care of all everything. of this cruft yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe there's oh, a, that's, yeah. Ama- that's an amazing deal yeah it's a great but deal you, you don't have kids so <laughs> I feel like you should just say like you know what I have enough cash Kristen you figure out the practical stuff I'm just gonna play with 3D <laughs> <laughs> I think I was joking yesterday like what is the metaverse uh, gonna do to architecture and space and I think you know, because also digital accumulation will be a thing, but, you know, and we've been talking about the whole podcast, but I think eventually architecture is just going to be like blanks. Like we're going to look for, we're going to want like a white cube space. Like I was reading an article that the Smithsonian apparently is suffering from like the buildings that it's in. That's like suffering from flooding. And this guy at the Smithsonian was like, we just want a box with no windows or doors. (laughs) Just like give me a crate that I can, that we can put all this stuff in. It's a good point because it's it's this ridiculous idea that we have to keep things. It's kind of a wild idea. And I, I, I always refer to this uh, Werner Herzog film, uh, Wheel of Time, where he films the whole process of making a mandala sand painting and people coming in from all parts of the world to gather somewhere and like walking 100 miles on bare feet and then making the work and this whole spiritual experience. And then end of the the week you just sweep it away and it's gone and it's fine and you come back a year later well yeah like i don't know how they but i don't know how they preserve the the drawing or the 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 plans for the drawing because it was very particular it was very lively well a lot of cultures just did it verbally right like and this is also comes back to that flexus manifesto that i was kind of referring to john cage earlier right which is like we're not going to make things anymore we're just going to like make experiences and then you know the millennial search for an experience versus a thing. It makes a ton of sense to me still. I still think that's like... But the, the, to me, the, the, the storage of the work, that side, like the, that doesn't give me any stress, honestly. Like when I talk about the, the file storage, it's more the, the, the financial stuff and the identity safety sort of stuff. That's... Like the password management, the secret seed phrase, yeah, and the bank, and the, the taxes. Yeah, yeah, the administrative part. Yeah, but why, I don't know why the subscription thing is a bother to you. It's not like you're out of money. No, I, I think it's this it. idea that money flows out when even when you're not using a thing. Like, we went from a world of, if yeah, you yeah, do yeah. a thing, you pay for a thing, to a world where, well, like, you, you're, like, renting you access do, to a thing. Here's my recommendation. Cancel all your subscriptions, each and every one of them. And reactivate them as I use them? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's not so hard. (laughs) I just have to remember what they all are. Yeah, isn't there there tools that you plug into your bank and it'll see what it's a recurring uh, uh, charge? The renderer one is really pissing me off right now. Because you don't often... Like, if you're not a professional, you're not rendering every day. Yeah, but then when I want to render something, I need to reactivate it. But you're right. I just reactivated yeah. it for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. All right. Anyway, so we we have a, a, a field recording from Jesper. Uh, so we'll listen to that now. And thank you, everybody. And we'll what's be the back field, next what's week. What's the field recording? What's the? Uh... I think he trapped a fly or something. It's the sound of a fly. It's, it's kind of subtle. So we'll, that's I'll, how I. That's how I feel. It's like mood right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. All well, right. thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for the question. And, Keep uh, sending them in. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye.